the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Just like church members today, they get caught up in our comfort or in our busyness or in our lifestyle, and we don't go forward in God's purpose. We're going to be accountable for that, guys. It's not just us preachers. It's not just the missionaries. God's called all of us to get in on His purpose. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus Christ like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhillchurch.com. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. As a pastor, and he pastored this church a long time, he said, you engage with people. You, you're there when their children get married. You're there when their parents get buried. You see their babies born. You see their children and grandchildren come to Christ. And then something happens. They don't like the way you did something. Or they don't like something at the church. And they get mad and they leave. And they, they hurt you on the way out. He said, that's the toughest thing in ministry. And you've got to decide when you face that kind of thing. Do you stop? Do you keep going? This was a big deal for Paul. We know that because in Acts 15, it comes up again. Let me just read some of this to you. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. So after this first missionary journey, Paul's saying, hey, now let's go back and check on this where we planted the seeds of the gospel. Let's see how it's growing. And Barnabas wanted to take with them John, who's called Mark. But Paul thought not best to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement, and they separated from each other. This is Barnabas, the encourager. And he and Paul separated. They began to go their own ways. Man, relational challenges can be difficult. I'm a lot younger than Adrian Rogers was when he said those words, but I would tell you, I'm going to amend his statement. That's not just the toughest thing in ministry. That's the toughest thing for me in life. I can get over physical challenges. I can get over circumstantial challenges, but I don't like to be not liked. What about you? Maybe you get into that. I want to please people, even when I know I can't. And you've got to make a decision. Do I let that side rail me? I'm happy to know from Scripture, before we move on with this, we have to recognize relationships can be restored. And those of you that were a part of Life Action, we really worked at that, digging into that need for forgiveness and restoration. In 2 Timothy, Paul's talking to young Timothy, and he says to him to this in chapter 4, verse 11, Luke alone is with me, so go get Mark. And bring him with you, for he's very useful to me in ministry. So you're going to be hurt. I I would encourage you, as you are, make sure you don't hold on to that. Keep that short list of accounts. 
So if God chooses to restore that, you're ready. Well, Paul had relational challenges, he had circumstantial challenges, and he had that right here in this same chapter. On this journey that's described in verse 13 when they're setting sail, many believe that he got very sick. Some believe he developed malaria. Some even think that this is what he's referring to in his passage at Corinth when when he talks about having a thorn in the flesh that he asked God to take away from him, and God said, no, 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 my my grace is sufficient for you. My, My strength is perfected in your weakness. Maybe it's what he's referring to in Galatians in chapter 4 when he says, you know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. Though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but you received me as an angel, a messenger of God, as Christ Jesus. Later in this chapter, he would face jealousy from church people. And then he, he, he faced troublemakers. All kinds of challenges. What do you do when you face challenges? very simple. You learn to shake it off. So it's still early, but I'm going to ask us all to participate in this, okay? I'm going to count to three, and I want you right where you are to shake it off, all right? Just somehow, shake it out, shake it off, whatever you got to do, all right? Don't make me come to you, because I will. <laughs> I want to see you're participating in this. So on the count of three, well, first, let's just tell what we're going to do. Say, shake it off. All right, one, two, three. Shake it off, let me see. Don't make me come to you. Shake it off. Hey, that's what you got to do. That's what it says in verse 51. They shook off the dust from their feet against them, and they went on to Iconium. Now, why is this so important? Why can't I hold on to this? Because it gets me off purpose, and it causes me to miss out on God's plans. I spent this last week telling these pastors, nine times I talked to them, every session I told them, remember this, you make your plans, but it's God who determines your steps. Because that that had just been really, that had sunk into me in the last couple of weeks. It was Thursday of our life action crusade, and I was talking to my mom in the afternoon, she began to describe some symptoms of my dad, and I said, mom, that's not okay, we've got to get him to the ER. And so within about 30 minutes, we got him to the ER, and within 10 minutes there, uh, they called me, and they said, hey, your dad has a massive brain bleed. We're, we're transferring him. And so in the instant, I, I knew I had to go. My brother wasn't in the country, and, and I knew I had to leave in the midst of our, our biggest event we've had as a church and a move of God. I knew I, I had to go. And so I picked up the phone to call my wife and, and, and tell her that I was going to pack a bag and what had happened and that I was leaving. And, but before I did that, I felt impressed with this name, Philip. Philip Anderson is my friend of 48 years because he's two years younger than me. We grew up together in church. Uh, my dad led him to Christ uh, there at Lakeview Baptist Church in Hartsville, South Carolina. We worked together a couple of summers. I mean, a good friend. He, he's been successful in business. He's a plumber. Uh, but we're not interacting enough, but one of those friends that you know, you can pick up the phone and just connect with him. His name was impressed on my mind because I knew he had a plane. And I thought, man, I hadn't even talked to Philip in a few years. I'm not going to call him on the spot. And I picked up the phone to call Kimberly, and I, I was impressed. And I called Philip. So I did before I called my wife. And I said, um, hey, man, what's going on? I said, not much. I said, where are you? And I asked that question because Philip doesn't live in our hometown anymore. He has a house in Asheville, North Carolina, and a house in Charleston, South Carolina. I didn't know where he was. He travels all across those two states. And I said, where are you? He said, I'm in Hartsville. What do you need? I said, you want to come to Florida? Instantly, he knew something was up because two weeks earlier, my dad had a stroke, and he had heard about that. And he said, what's going on? 
So I told him. He said, give me 10 minutes. 10 minutes later, he called me. He said, I'm here at the, uh, the airport. That's the Hartsville Regional Airport, which is synonymous with landing strip. <laughs> he said, I'm here at the airport. The, the plane's okay. I'll, I'll be there in two and a half hours. He got here, picked me up at Tampa Executive Airport. We began to fly back. He said, let me tell you about this afternoon. He said, I was working in Charleston. He said, but I'm on my way to Asheville for the weekend. If you're familiar with the Carolinas, he was coming up 95 from Charleston. And when you get to about just below Columbia, South Carolina, you would exit off on the Highway 26 to head up to Asheville, North Carolina. But he said, just before I exited to go home, I felt impressed to travel on the Hartsville. So I didn't know why. I said, I don't even have a house here anymore. We've got a little trailer at the work site. So, he, so I went in the trailer and said it was early. It was about 5 o'clock, but I felt impressed. You need to go ahead and eat. So he said, I fixed myself a sandwich and I ate a bowl of cereal. It's something I don't normally do. He said, I, I'm going to Asheville tomorrow. Maybe I'll take the plane. So I, I got in the car and I just began to drive toward the airport. He said, when, I, when you called me and said, where are you? He said, I was literally right in front of Lakeview Baptist Church in Hartsville, South Carolina where your dad led me to the Lord. He said, Paul, I had made my plans, but God had directed my steps. I said, you're right, buddy. We landed at that airport, and he said, hey, that's my truck over there. It's full of gas. You take it, drive it, keep it as long as you need to. So I got in the truck, got over to the hospital about 2 in the morning, started spending time with my dad. Next several days, I'd get up every morning and pick up my mom, take her to the hospital to sit with dad. I'd take her back in the evening. And Sunday, my cousin Vicky, who just texted me again, she, uh, she texted, or, or she was with us, and she said, hey, take your mom to lunch. Y'all need to get out of here for a little bit. So we went out and got some South Carolina barbecue, and she came back to the hospital, and I went to, to let her out of the car. So I opened the door, and my mom's kind of crippled, and so she, I was helping her out, and she put her elbow unknowingly on the, the door lock. And so I got her in her walker, sent her inside. I closed the door, went back around to the other side to open the car, which was running, and every door was locked, and my phone was inside. And I thought, wow. So I go into the front desk of the hospital. It's a weekend. There's no one there but the security guard. And I ask her, hey, can you get someone from security to come help me unlock this door? And she says, we don't have those tools. She said, call 911. I said, it's not an emergency. She said, yeah, it is. You're blocking the front door of the hospital. (laughs) I said, good point. So I called them. They said, hey, none of our officers carry those tools. So I called AAA, and fortunately, what a great investment AAA is, uh, particularly if you have cars like mine. And so I, I called AAA, and, and, and AAA said, we'll be there in 20 minutes. And so I leaned up against the counter. She had let me use her phone, and I said, hey, you're stuck with me for 20 minutes. What's your name? And she said, Daisy. And I said, Daisy, let me tell you a funny story. I was laughing just looking at the car. I said, you know what? She said, what? I said, that's not my truck. She said, what? I said, yeah, I hope they don't ask me for identification. It's, it's not my truck. She said, well, how is it not your truck? So I told her the story about Philip picking me up and how he lent me his truck. And I said, Daisy, we make our plans, but God, God guides our steps. And she said, yeah, my mama used to tell me stuff like that. The time she said that, I felt, I don't say this often if you hang out here much, but I felt the Holy Spirit of God say, you really believe that, son? So I took a deep breath and I said, Daisy, 
If God is guiding my steps, that means he knew I was going to be leaning against his desk talking to you. What do you need to talk about? How are you and God doing? And she said, not too good. For the next 45 minutes, Daisy and I talked about scripture and we talked about life and we talked about how God's story interacts with our story. And it was 45 minutes because in the middle of that, AAA came and let me in the car and I went and parked it. But I came back in and picked up where we left off while Daisy was working. And we got to the end of that and I said, Daisy, we're, we're talking about surrendering to Christ. Is this something that you want to do? She said, yeah, I believe that is. I said, well, let's do that right here, right now. So I went behind the desk and before I sat down, I said, hey, you see this chair, Daisy? She said, yeah. I said, that chair is just like your chair, isn't it? She said, yeah. I said, I think that chair can hold me up. You think it can? She said, yeah. I said, but let me ask you something, Daisy. Am I trusting that chair to hold me up right now? She said, no, you got to sit in it. I said, yeah, you're right. And that's what you got to do. You got to put all your weight in Jesus if you really want this to work. I said, you ready to do that? She said, yeah. I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray, but we're going to keep our eyes open. I'm facing the front door. I'm doing your job right now, and you don't have to pay me. I said, I'm going to pray for you, and then I want you to pray. And you tell God what you just told me, that you know you need him, that you're a sinner, that you believe he died for you, and you want him to have control of your life. You're surrendering right now. You're laying it all down. You're trusting him. I said, okay. And I said, then I'm going to pray for you again, that you just walk away with confidence. So I prayed for her. It was a sweet moment. Other people were walking in, so I was like, hey, how you doing? And uh, <laughs> then I said, all right, Daisy, it's your time. And she sat there like this. I said, go ahead. She said, I am. I said, uh-uh, go ahead. She said, you mean out loud? I said, yeah. She said, I've never prayed out loud in front of anybody. I said, well, it's a good time to start. She began to pray the sweetest prayer. She said, God, you know this. I don't need to tell you, but I need you. I'm a sinner. And I believe what, what Paul just told me, that you died for me and that you're alive. And I've never surrendered to you, but I'm doing that now. Come in and take control of my life. And that day in that hospital, Daisy began that relationship with Jesus. There she is. I'm just trying to help you understand, if you you don't live on purpose, you miss out on some of the God moments of life. But when you live on purpose, God's plans are fulfilled. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the Watch tab at MissionHillChurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at MissionHillChurch.com. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. And that's what Paul was trying to do as he began this missionary journey in Acts 13. It's just demonstrate the fulfillment of God's plans. And he preached a message. And, and I'm not going to read it to you today. I want to highlight it, just give you the truths from it. But he preached a message that, that really is what we preach anytime we share the good news of Jesus. It's what I preach to Daisy. Here it is. God wants your story to be a part of his story. That's his purpose. He doesn't want you to look at the things in Scripture as if they're isolated and unrelated to you. He wants your story to be a part of his story. That's why we have his story. 
All of that just gives him more glory. It pleases him. It it makes him happy. And and so Paul, on this first missionary journey, begins to share that. And, And he does that by going way back to the beginning that... The story the Jewish people would understand. He, he began to talk about Moses and how they wandered in the wilderness. He, he began to talk about how God's people cried out for our king and God gave him Saul and then Saul was gone and God gave him David, this man after God's own heart. But then he said, hey, as good as David was, he was just a man, but God sent from the seed of David, from the line of David, another man. His name is Jesus. And, and this Jesus, he was unlike any other because Jesus is God. And Jesus, like David, died, but Unlike David, Jesus rose again. And all of this was to let his listeners know four special truths. Let me give them to you. First, God loves you. And he really does have a wonderful plan for your life. In verse 32, it says, we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children. In other words, hey, don't think these promises of Scripture, the way God talked to us in the days gone by, don't think that's just about then. That's available to us now. And so maybe today you're in a place where you've heard the promises of God, you've heard about what God could do and, and how God cares about you and, and, and the good things that are available to you, but you just don't know if it still applies. I want you to know that the promises of yesterday are still true today. That, that's how you make it when you're sitting by your dad who you love in the hospital and you don't know if he's going to make it. You know that the promises that he preached, the promises that he believed, the promises he lived for are still true. They're still available. God has a plan in the midst of all of this life that we're facing. But there's a second truth David, Paul preached. He, he told them that God, this God who loves you, he, he can forgive everyone of everything. And this was shocking. This is what separated Jesus because only God can forgive sin. And so when Paul said that this Jesus from the line of David, he could forgive sin, it was shocking. But that's what he said. Look in, in, in verse 38, it says, let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed. That's what God makes available. You know, 50 years of being around people, I would just tell you, our greatest need is forgiveness. And God makes that available to you no matter what you've done. Some of you have come in here today and the hindrance in your life to God's movement, to your advancement, is your guilt, is the conviction of sin. And you just need to recognize that this God who loves you and has this purpose and plan for your life offers you forgiveness. Thirdly, he told them, hey, God has made an appointment for your forever. This purpose is not just about now. It is about forever. We know that because in verse 48 it says, when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. God wants you to have eternal life. But this purpose, this plan, this life he wants you to experience advancing for his glory, he's not going to force it on you. God gives everyone a choice. 
And in Acts 13, Paul on this first missionary journey began to understand that not everyone he preached to would respond to the message. Early in ministry, my dad and I had this thing. I would call him and tell him about how church was where I was. and He would tell me how church was there at Lakeview. We'd talk about numbers, because numbers are people. That matters, right? And then we'd talk about decisions. Did anybody respond to the invitation? I'll never forget. I, often, I would say, hey, do you have any decisions today? And my dad would say, yeah, a lot of people decided to do nothing. He's <laughs> a wise man. And that's part of this journey of understanding, is a lot of people will hear everything you've just heard and still decide, nah, doesn't matter to me. Verse 46, it says, Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying it was necessary that the word of eternal life, behold, we're turning to the Gentiles. So when he spoke to the Jews and they didn't respond, he said, all right, we're we're turning to the Gentiles now. They just kept moving. But you have to understand something. When we fail to find and follow God's purpose for our lives, we hinder those around us from finding and following God's purpose in their lives. And so those Jews that didn't respond, I, I think they're, they're accountable for that. Just like church members today, they get caught up in our comfort or in our busyness or in our lifestyle, and we don't go forward in God's purpose. We're going to be accountable for that, guys. It's not just us preachers. It's not just the missionaries. God's called all of us to get in on his purpose. And when we do, boy, when we do, Look at what it says in verse 52. The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. You want to be a Christ follower that has joy in your life? You want to feel like you're living that Spirit-filled life? Then find out where God is at work and get in on what He's doing. Live on purpose. And just in case you're curious, For the Christ follower, our purpose is clear. Paul actually teaches this in his message. And then we're reminded of it in the Old Testament. He says, I've made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Your reason as a Christ follower for living here so that you might be a spark of light in your dark corner of the world. So here's my simple question for you today. How's God speaking to you? Look around. Where's God at work where he's asking you to join him? To get involved? What is he saying in your life is keeping you from advancing for his glory? Christ follower. Are you living in obedience? Let me just give you some examples. The first step of obedience for every Christ follower, not by my words, but according to Scripture, is believer's baptism. So after I've had that time where I've trusted in Jesus, I then demonstrate that faith publicly through believer's baptism. Have you done that? If not, why not today? In just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to what God's doing.
and join us in that work. Number two, how about your stewardship? Are you being obedient? Are you recognizing that he's the giver of all that you've had? Are you faithful and generous in your stewardship of what he's given you? If not, let's start today. How about being a a witness of his grace? Are you sharing your story with others and how their story can interact with God's story? If not, why not today? You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhillchurch.com. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhillchurch.com and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhillchurch.com. Weekdays at 9 a.m. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, a.m. 570 and 910.